Program complete. Enter when ready. Uh, it's not really a spoiler, but like, it's and it's not. It, but there's an episode of Next Generation called Where No One Has Gone Before. Oh. So my brain was like, for some reason I know that this was the man one, but I just my brain must not have been paying attention. That's fine. No, I I figured that's what it was. Yeah, it's going to be fun watching these because it's like I'm doing them in production order. So it's going to be like, don't yeah, watch all over the place. Yeah. to go to this one. <laughs> yeah. This is doing. I get that for TV, but you would think that like when they would like release them as like the set or the season, they would put them in order. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh. Well, I guess we can just. We can just get into it. That way we're just talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely hated it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, Perfect. Risk. Risk is our business. That'll work. It was founded to seek out new life. Well, there it sits. Rock and roll. Six. We're not afraid of diversity. We don't persecute it. We embrace it. At least I won't die alone. Federation of Planets. And reach for the stars. Those were the days. Welcome back to another Retrek review. We've been gone for a minute, but now we're back with another episode of Star Trek. And this week, we're going to cover an episode from Star Trek the original series entitled Where No Man Has Gone Before. It's episode three in release date order. Um, But we are doing it in production order. So to us, it is episode one. And for anybody just uh, starting to watch us, my name is Will. This is my co-host, Caleb. This episode originally aired uh, September 22nd, 1966. It was written by Samuel A. Peebles and directed by James Gladstone. It takes place about five or six years after the last episode of Strange New Worlds that we covered. And the synopsis for Where No Man Has Gone Before is an encounter at the limits of our galaxy begins to change Lieutenant Commander Gary Mitchell and threatens the future of the Enterprise and the human race itself. So before we jump right into the breakdown of it, play by play, scene by scene, we're going to ask Caleb what he thought of the episode i did actually enjoy it um i thought it was i thought it was fun it's um 
I don't know. I mean, I kind of knew this would happen, right? From watching like Enterprise and then Strange New Worlds going into the original, you're like, it's a little bit, you know, I mean, it's it's dated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I will have a hard time picking the Porthos Award for the <laughs> cheesiest moment. Because, you know, I mean, yeah, it's 60s, yeah, yeah, yeah. 60s sci-fi, Absolutely. it's all... A lot of it's pretty cheesy, but you know, in all honesty, um, it's funny like digging into the episode, and there's a lot of things that are being said, yes, like phrases and stuff that are like very consistent, obviously, because this is the source yeah. material, yeah. but it's just kind of nice. You're like, okay, like I, you know, even though this show is, you know, whatever, like 55, almost 60 years old, yeah. It still kind of carries over. I mean, the lingo is still kind of the same. Right. And, yeah. You know, the thing, the major thing is, is like, obviously, like, Strange New Worlds stuff has all been kind of like renovated. Like, it's the same right. shit, but it's all right. like updated right. and stuff. And, you know, Pike, yeah. it's just funny things like, um, so Pike, Pike just like talks to the crew. Yeah, and then and then now six years later, they're like, you know what? The captain's chair needs needs a little microphone next to it, where you can be like, tell the people on Dexy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But that stuff is funny, but yeah. it doesn't like ruin the show. No, no. So uh, yeah, no, I, I I did enjoy it actually, and you know what's funny too is um, maybe because I wasn't always a Star Trek. Like big fan, like yeah. um, always gets such a bad rap as being like that, like uh, one tone. You know, people always mimic him. There, there's something on the wing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's not at he all. He doesn't like really that. do that. No. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, like wow, Shatner's actually pretty, pretty good. So that's kind of been my my consistent thing, right? Is Running joke is I always say, yeah, it was good. And the only thing <laughs> I always say is, like, he's a good captain. I really like him as a captain. Yeah. So, so yeah, I like I like Kirk. I like Kirk as a captain. I think Shatner does a, a good job. And I was kind of surprised that I was like, I was like, maybe he gets more over the top in, like, later seasons. But, I yeah. Maybe not. yeah. I it's know. like later seasons in the, in the movies. But even then, he never gets to that, like, why, you know, all that stuff that they have him do. Like, you know, it's fine. Yeah, the way, it's so funny. It's it's like... It's because um, in other things, other movies and other TV shows outside yeah. of Star Trek, that's yeah. how he talks. That's how he is. In, in interviews, that's how he talks. He's very much... And the uh, biggest thing that happened was there's a... I forget what year it is, like 60s or 70s. He sings Rocket Man. It's like a famous thing. Oh, And he's like yes. smoking the cigarette. And he's like... Yeah. Oh, Somehow. Yeah. Some way. <laughs> and so everybody's like, you do you taking that, like making fun of him. Okay. But, but there's stuff that happens in this episode that you it is immediately like it's a... Uh, Everybody always says there's three things about Kirk, and one is the voice. His shirt gets ripped. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Love it. Yeah, that's the it's one kinda, thing I. Because it's kind of like the one they always. It's the three things he talks like that. He has like a weird cadence, and he's like over overly dramatic, which I don't agree with. 
Yeah. His shirt always gets ripped, which is pretty much true. Yeah. And he's and kissing also, some alien. And the kissing some alien. And it's like, it's kind of true, but it's also not really true. Like, it's not every episode. Like, he doesn't kiss anybody in this episode. So. No. Yeah. You know what's funny, too, is going from, like, Cage, the Cage to this, it seems like it mm-hmm. seems like they were like, hey, so we got to make Spock look a little bit more like alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Absolutely. let's put like yellowish makeup on him, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the. I don't remember. I don't remember his eyebrows being no. so. No, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't. They weren't. No, they're like dramatically different. Yeah. Very funny. But Leonard Nimoy, I mean, Leonard Nimoy is great. I mean, I've always known that. Yeah. I've always been a fan of Leonard Nimoy, you know? Yeah, I mean that's that. This is the thing. Like, okay, yeah, we had Strange New Worlds, but the thing you look at, like, this is, this is the second episode they've ever filmed of Star Trek, and the other yeah. one was failed. It didn't even go to air, mm-hmm. and it's like a pretty much a complete recasting except for Spock. Like nobody carries over from that show. That's true. And, and uh, if you look at it, like their uniforms are just like the cage. They're very similar, and like a lot of the scenery and a lot of the other stuff is like very, very, very similar. similar. Yeah, but this isn't the first episode that aired because CBS or NBC, whatever I think it was NBC that they were attached to, thought that this even they liked start they liked it more than they liked the cage, but they said that this episode was a little too like they wanted more action. They liked it what happens at the end because again. There's forty something westerns on television. Yeah, so why aren't they punching and shooting each other and doing? It's like that's what people are watching. So when you watch no. the cage, nothing happens, right? He just ta- it's a lot of dialogue. Yeah, he burns in that one scene, but like that's it. And they blow up the rock mass and all that. Yeah, right. Yeah, but nothing really mm-hmm. happens. And then you watch this thing, and it's like there's a little bit more action in the in the show. Mm-hmm. So. I can see that. I can see that. So that's why I'm having you watch this. Um, the main reason I'm having you watch it is because this is the first, this is really the first thing ever filmed that is technically made it to TV. Made it to TV, right. Cool. So in this uh, series, we have William Shatner as Captain James Kirk, Leonard Nimoy as Mr. Spock. Um, we have you, we, he's in this episode uh, in the background. Uh, George Takei as oh yeah, Sulu and James oh, Duhan as I... Scotty. Yeah, so Scotty those will become our regular uh, individuals. But then we had um, some special get. We had some special stars. We had Sally Kellerman who plays Doctor Elizabeth Denner. Mm-hmm. Um. Gary Lockwood, who played Gary Mitchell, Paul Carr, as who played Lee Kelso, Paul Fix, who played Mark Piper, mm-hmm. and Lloyd Haynes, who played Alden. So, not that many people had talking parts in this episode, but that's okay. So yeah, you know what I kept, you know what I kept wondering the whole time. Hmm, where is Chapel and Bango? Yeah. Or her is not, right, or her is not there. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, and Benga. It's now wow. this new doctor, this Mark Piper guy. I remember this this doctor though for some reason. 
Okay. Like he stands out to me. Like I remembered him. Oh, you know what I love too? I love every I love like how they carry their like Dr. Bag and their like Oh yeah. Like I love this. So, like like you like set design and production and stuff. Like I love all the like the props and stuff and right, 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 right. There's a there's a moment we'll get to it. But there was a moment in this episode where I like outwardly like laughed because I thought it was very very good. <laughs> good, good. But I love all that stuff. So. Yeah. So that now we'll jump right into it. That'll be that, and we'll get into the full review. So Captain's Log, start date one three one two point four. The impossible has happened. From directly ahead, we're picking up a recorded distress signal the call letters of a vessel which has been missing for over two centuries. Did another Earth ship probe out of the galaxy as we intend to do? What happened to it out there? Is this some warning they've left behind? In the briefing lounge, Captain James T. Kirk and Lieutenant Commander Spock are playing three-dimensional chess. Spock warns the captain that he's about to checkmate him on his next move. But the captain is preoccupied with awaiting the bridge update on the unexplained Earth vessel distress signal. The captain notes that Spock plays a very irritating game of chess. To which Spock responds with, irritating? Ah, yes. One of your Earth emotions. Captain Kirk makes a move that surprises Spock and smiles. To which Spock simply turns to look at him. Certain you don't know what irritation is, Kirk says wryly. As Spock begins to state that despite the fact that one of his ancestors married a human female, Kirk interrupts him and jokingly chides him, saying it must be terrible to have bad blood like that. Just afterward, then, a call comes over the comms. Navigator Lieutenant Lee Kelso informs the captain that the object is now within tractor beam range and that it is only about a meter in diameter, too small to be a vessel or an escape pod. Kirk tells him to lock onto it, and the two of them head out. So, yeah, that's the thing we were talking about. It's like immediate, like, the costumes are clearly the more like the cage. They're not like the traditional mm-hmm. Star Trek ones that we're used to. Like you talked about, Spock is, like, significantly different looking. Yeah. You're pretty much immediately getting like the taste of like what Kirk is going to be like in comparison to like Archer and uh, you know, both Pikes, Jeffrey Hunter Pike and Anson Mount Pike. Yeah, he's pretty much different, like right from the get go. Yeah, I know. Yeah, a little bit different. He's got a lot of the same things that make like a good captain, but like, yeah, seems like he's more relaxed. Yeah, yeah. Until like stuff starts like hitting the wall. Yeah. There's a scene too I really liked where um Kirk like goes to the helm and like pilots the ship for a little bit too. Like oh, yeah. in, in in the emergency. I was like, I, I actually like that. Like like if you're if you're trained to be a captain from the academy, like you should know how to fly the ship, right. you know? Right, right. Yeah. Like, there's probably a good chance that you're gonna be flying the ship at some point. <laughs> <laughs> at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know what else I liked was like um seeing like three dimensional uh three dimensional chess. Yeah. Because like I remembered that. Yeah. But like you don't see that 
and then in the new stuff. stuff. Yeah. Only like when they want to do like a like an Easter egg or a callback, they put right. that in. Right. Right. So that was cool. I think the one thing that's jarring, which it isn't jarring just watching this. Like if this was the first thing you saw, it wouldn't be jarring at all. But watching it the way we did, I think the thing that's so jarring in this scene is when Spock is like surprised at Kirk saying like irritation and he's like, oh yes, human emotions, like earth emotions. And it's like, we just watched Strange New Worlds where he's like losing control of emotions and he knows all, it's like, it's like a it's a funny thing yeah. where you're like, hmm. And yeah. I think I think the be- I think the best thing to do is like don't discredit and take away what Strange New Worlds gave. I think it's just like basically where things don't click, uh, they just don't click. And where other areas where they can, you know, things can come come together and it and it makes a nice story, like that then that exists like that yeah. backstory exists if it doesn't make sense then oh well it's just a different it's a slightly skewed timeline i think yeah. that's the best way to just look at it yeah i don't i don't plan on getting like too Lost like fixated week. on like yeah. hey why is this like this it's like well <laughs> like you said it's 55 years old and stuff's <laughs> been like updated and like you said the timeline has been changed a little bit too now so yeah Whatever, and you know the other thing that's really jarring is like obviously like um like the set so <laughs> like so like from Strange New Worlds you have all this like high tech stuff and then you come in here and they got these like gum drop buttons and the triangle like <laughs> buttons and they're moving stuff yeah they all make these horrible noises yeah <laughs> <laughs> like it's cool for a show but my god can you imagine like working on a ship no and it's like every time you're doing this like. <laughs> And, you're like, <laughs> and it's just like oh my god like all day you're listening to that <laughs> yeah all day nothing's labeled it's like just like blinking green and orange and red lights and you're just like <laughs> yeah i really like the noise when the um the tv came on oh and like it they he's told kirk like what was going on yeah it's like that chime yeah and you know what? You know, it's funny. I was looking for it, too, because, like, we've been working on a communicator. Yeah. He doesn't even use one until the end, and it's not, it's, like, it's the original. The one where, yeah, it's not like, the one clear, where like, yeah. yeah. It's the one, it's the one from, like, the cage. It's, like, an upgrade yeah. the cage. Yeah. But they still have the same sound effect, though. Certainly did. <laughs> yeah. And the cool thing is, too, the like that screen, so William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy are literally looking at like a white, like a television monitor with like a with a screen with like a blue yeah. a blue a rectangle around the edge of it, and there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. That's all that they're looking at. And so then they go and take, you know, film and actually like put it onto that monitor and like match up the scene and then put that other video so it looks like he's talking to them on the screen. Yeah. Because back then there was no CGI. You didn't have comping like that we do now. Yeah. The thing why it looks even better is because like on Paramount Plus they this is all the remastered stuff. So that's why it looks even better than normal. Because like when you go and watch the old stuff, like it doesn't it doesn't look as 
as smooth as this does. Yeah, yeah, but well, the other funny thing too, to like talking about like screens and props and that kind of stuff is like later on when um I don't remember that when that guy when that guy's in bed and he's reading oh. he's reading on that little like TV yeah. when he's like done reading it it's he like pushes the off button yeah and you can very much tell that like that button all that button does is it just backlights. Yes. That like paper screen that's got like words on it. Exactly. So he shuts the light and just turns the light off. So it's supposed to look like the screen is off. Yeah. So back on your, you know, your square tube, tube TV where you had to push the buttons on the, on the actual television. Like I'm sure that looks really good. (laughs) But in like 4K now, you're like, that's just shut the light off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He just turned it (laughs) off. All oh, right. Yeah. No, it's good. It, there's a lot of uh, there's, there's a lot, a lot of really good, like that, like especially in the visual system. effects. Yeah. All right. In the transporter room, Lieutenant Commander Montgomery Scott is fine tuning the transporter, preparing to beam the object aboard. Kirk gives the order, and Scott transports the device into the transporter chamber. The captain immediately recognizes it as an old style ship recorder. One, that would be ejected in the event of an emergency. Spock agrees, but states that based on the level of damage the object seems to have sustained, something must have destroyed the ship. Scott tries to feed the tapes into the computer when the marker begins transmitting a signal. Captain Kirk orders red alert, and the crew go to their stations. So... Other than just the thing being kind of a cool looking whatever recorder. So the cool thing about this is like this was launched a couple of years after uh, first like when Zephyr and Cochran leaves and stuff. Like when he makes the Warp 1 ship. This is like this was launched all the way back then. So like a couple years after Vulcan's meet humans this thing was launched the ship the ss valiant not the thing that they beam up but the ship the valiant yeah yeah that's cool yeah i thought you'd like that yeah because i remember hearing the valiant before Mm -hmm. so it was another one of those things where like when you watch the cage they're looking for the uh columbia yeah and you're like oh that's cool Throughout the ship, the crew is reporting to their emergency stations. Kirk and Spock enter a turbo lift to go to the bridge, and Lieutenant Commander Gary Mitchell enters just as the doors are closing. Kirk and Mitchell joke about Kelso sounding nervous and Spock's chest skills, showing that they're comfortable being around each other, uh, even in times of red alert. So that was a, the, the cool shot there when knowing how they film it in the 60s, he they literally just put up like a gray wall and and mm-hmm. Gary Mitchell like gets into the turbo lift, the doors close, and then the stage production like move the gray wall. They stay inside oh. the turbo lift, like the light moves, you know, to make it look like the turbo lift is moving. And then when yeah. the doors open, they're on the bridge. Like that's all they did. They just put like a Oh. Yeah. That's really cool. I wouldn't I wouldn't yeah. I guess that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Because they only have so many sets and so many things, so yeah. Yeah. 
Well, the other thing I kind of recall talking about before, maybe, or learning is that um, the doors are like guys with ropes on the other side. Yes. And they like pull the rope and it like he's opens. Like, he's like just off camera. He's like just yeah. off. It's a, literally like a two. It's a two. One opens and one closes. It's like a two. It's almost like yeah. curtains, like the big fancy. Yeah. Curtain, like kind of like that. That's pretty funny. It's pretty All cool. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It really is. It's like a really smart way of. Yeah, pretty like for production anyway. Right. Yeah. 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 The three officers enter the bridge. Mitchell taking his station as Spock scans for the message. As they approach the edge of the galaxy, Kirk orders all stop. Captain Kirk announces shipwide that what they picked up was a disaster to recorder launched from the SS Valiant 200 years prior. Department heads report to the bridge as ordered, and Captain Kirk is given instructions. Uh, Smith, whom he mistakenly addresses as Jones, is his new yeoman. Sulu reports astro-sciences ready Scott reports the engineering division ready, as always. And Chief Medical Officer Dr. Mark Piper reports life sciences ready, then introduces the USS Enterprise new psychiatrist, Dr. Elizabeth Daner, who came aboard the vessel back on the Aldebaran colony to study long-term effects of space travel on the crew. Spock points out she's been able to get a signal from the recorder as Mitchell tries to flirt with Dr. Daner, who rebuffs him only to overhear him call her a walking freezer unit. <laughs> <laughs> so That's the thing I, I, I'll mention here is it, it's really funny and you'll notice it. They like going forward all the stuff that's like you're talking about, like Kirk turns to the side and talks into this weird like microphone mm -hmm. thing, and like the people walk up like off to his like side and come up and they are like, We report this, we report this, we were like you have all these weird like he's just talking to people type of thing, and why aren't they just doing it over comms? Yeah. Um, like immediately none of that exists in the show. This is like the only episode where this stuff like happens really so that thing on the chair he's talking into is only in this episode oh okay yeah pretty funny i know well yeah maybe i do kind of remember that because i um i watched adam savage build like yeah. the recreation of the chair and, and i think he specifically made it with the microphone because it was like a the special appearance or something he might have i don't yeah i don't remember what he did but yeah well that's interesting then yeah yeah yeah. spock interprets the valiant's message that they had encountered a magnetic storm and were pulled out of the galaxy and that the crew assessed computer records on esp and humans frantic to find information about it the captain asked dr denner her opinion and she mistakes the question as asking whether she has ESP. She reports that there are some humans who can see backs of playing cards and so on, but it is never very powerful. 
Spock goes on to explain that several crewmen had died aboard the Valiant, which had suffered severe damage. The Valiant, conti- the Valiant crew continued researching ESP until it seems the captain ordered a self-destruct. As future vessels will someday be coming out this far into space, Captain Kirk decides to go ahead anyway and engages Warp Factor 1. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we get into all that. ESP stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because I'm a nerd like he's somebody else on this podcast, all I thought mm-hmm. about was uh, Ghostbusters in the beginning. Oh, okay. He's like, what's behind here? <laughs> Two, three wavy lines. Yeah, then he shocks him. Yeah. <laughs> then he finally does start to get it right, but he's yeah. not paying attention. Yeah. Okay, the crew reacts with mixed emotions as the Enterprise heads out of the Milky Way galaxy. The ship encounters a strange field, and Spock orders a full array of scans, deflectors, indicating something in front of them, while sensors say there's nothing. Smith and Mitchell hold hands to comfort each other as the ship enters the field. Flashes of light fill the bridge and electric discharges penetrate the hull, causing several consoles to explode. Kirk orders Mitchell to reverse course, but before he can carry out the order, Dr. Denner and he are struck by a mysterious electric charge which drops them to the deck. With no one to control the Enterprise, Spock dashes over to the helm console and pilots the starship clear of the energy field. I like that part where they're like doing stuff and then like... and then he like stands up and like walks over and then falls over on the cushion or whatever yeah he's gotta walk off camera so it's leave yeah uh that's pretty funny yeah and also as it does as it doesn't point out in this thing that i just read like you said kirk gets onto the into the chair quick to get it and then spock comes over and takes control so yeah, I think he calls for a Helms and Spock yeah. comes over and relieves him. Yeah. Yeah. You know what else I noticed is interesting mm-hmm. is that like um Kirk and Spock have like their gold sweaters. Mm-hmm. Or like yellow, they're like yeah. yellowish sweaters. Yeah. But then like the helmsmen, they have like a different shade. It's almost like a tan sweater. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like everybody wears the same yellow. It's like they yeah. have they still have like different versions of it. Yeah, the cage outfits are like it's pretty much only like science is like really notice noticeably different, which is like the medical people. But yeah. other than that, it's just like variations of like tan and gold and like rose. You know, it's like they're just mm-hmm. like slightly different hues. And then all of a sudden like I said, you'll go. We'll go to the next episode, and they'll be like, "Oh, they will immediately look like strange new world stuff." Where it's just like this guy's in red, this guy's in gold, this guy's in blue. It's like cool. Yeah. It's weird. It's like they just use what they had left. Well, I, uh, as I learned here a few days ago, they apparently RCA owned NBC. Mm. And they were trying to get as many color TVs into people's homes. So might as well wow. ham up the color 
that's so funny to learn about like why decisions were made so it's like these so like these things like and the show moving forward are like pivotal points of like lore yeah but it's like oh they did that because they're trying to push color televisions back in the 60s it's like yeah what <laughs> <laughs> like oh no that actually it wasn't like that wasn't actually like an idea in the beginning to be like, hey, so we should have every department have like a different like color uniform. Like, wow, that's a really cool idea. They're like, now nah, we need to push colored televisions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, re- basically, this is what Gene Roddenberry wanted. He wanted like very kind of, except for like the sciences, he wanted everybody to kind of have like very kind of bland coloring. Yeah. Well, military, right? Military, I mean, right. It's kind of what everything's based on is like submarines in space. Right. So they would be, you know, everybody wears kind of the same thing. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably following the idea of like Army, Navy being blue, maybe, or Air Force being blue and like mm-hmm. the other one being Navy. You know, it's like, like gray. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Marines are like gray. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Gene Roddenberry served in the war. So it's like, I can imagine. So, oh, did he? Yeah. yeah, he was he was a he was a pilot. Oh well, that that makes all the sense in the yeah. world. So, taking damage reports, Spock informs Kirk that main power is out. The Enterprise is on emergency power cells, and nine crewmen are dead. Captain Kirk tends to Denner and Mitchell, only to find that while Mitchell feels a little weak, his eyes are glowing an eerie silver. <laughs> Space, space, <laughs> yeah, space sickness. Yeah, come find Captain. I'm just having trouble seeing. <laughs> Would you like that one? Yeah, <laughs> when it went to black, right? It, it just kept his eyes, and then it went. Oh to- yeah, yeah, that was nice. Yeah, yeah. that was a nice touch. <laughs> just in case you missed it. Yeah, this is in case you really didn't understand what was going on. <laughs> so you're going to really like this because I think good. you're just like your sister and really enjoy eye stuff. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, don't tell me. So <laughs> so normal contact lens that we have Those in are... our day and age, they just sit on the iris, right? They're circular yeah. and they just sit on the color part of your eye. Yeah. These are called uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pronounce it wrong. They're called like scleral lenses mm. something like that yeah but oh, basically yeah. what it means is they sit on the full part of your eye they sit like on the white part of your eye they're, ah. they're... and so what they did is they took two of them yeah. production took two of those lenses and put tin foil in between the two oh. lenses oh. <laughs> and then put it on his eye so he doesn't feel the tin foil but that's what the shiny effect is and um so it's not cgi right he has to wear contact yeah Yeah. and he said because they were so heavy and because of the lights and stuff like it really hurt his eyes because it was like hot and heavy oh and two it makes him look like he's arrogant that like he always stands like this yeah but he's trying to keep the lenses in his eyes because they wouldn't so he, shift down, so they don't fall out of his head, out of out. So he always keeps his head back, which just yeah. played to it, which makes him look like he's like, oh, yeah, 
like been really, really smarter than everybody. Me, he was just trying to. He was really honestly just trying to keep the lenses inside. Is that's really funny. Yeah, he did a really good job. Honestly, that guy. Yeah, I mean, like I really liked his. You know, he plays like a one bit part, and you know, it's like for just that, he did really good. You know. Yeah. Yeah, he really hammed it up. That sounds awful, man. Yeah, I I was I was wondering how they did the. Uh, yeah, I figured how they you, did that. Yeah, I figured you would be interested. I in. thought maybe they were contacts, but I thought maybe there was something like reflective that the like set lights yeah. bounced off of. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So, Captain's Log, Stardate 1312.9. Ship's condition, heading back on impulse power only. Main engines burned out. The ship's space warp ability, gone. Earth bases, which were only days away, are now years in the distance. Our overriding question now is, what destroyed the Valiant? They lived through the barrier, just as we have. What happened to them after that? Captain Kirk, while supervising repairs being made to the bridge, proceeds to the science station where he finds Spock reviewing medical records of the dead crew members. And the crew members who survived but seem to have been affected in some way. Spock is looking at ESP ratings of Dr. Denner and Gary Mitchell. Both of the officers had high scores of ESP tests given by Starfleet Medical. Mitchell's having ultimately red as the highest in the crew. Yeah. Something makes me think this is what happened to the other <laughs> the other ship. Perhaps something happened to the Valiant and they went into mm. the Army Quarter. Mm. Maybe they had to blow the ship up because someone got too smart. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Denner approaches Captain Kirk and provides an autopsy report of the nine dead crew members. She mentions that in all cases, there was damage to a specific region of the brain. Kirk shares the fact that all of the dead crew members, as well as Denner and Mitchell, had high ESP ratings. Spock only mentions that the captain of the Valiant was frantically searching through the records for information on ESP. Spock then reports that the Valiant's captain seems to have given a self-destruct order. Dinner defends those with ESP, stating that the ability is not harmful. Spock, however, reminds the doctor that there are the more extreme and dangerous abilities of ESP, such as the ability to see through solid objects or cause spontaneous combustion. But it's okay. We're all friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't take me too long to be like, okay, something... Uh... She's obviously got something going on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, because you saw it. Though. <laughs> yeah. In sickbay, Mitchell is reading text on a viewer trying to pass the time. Kirk enters the room and Mitchell greets him by name without actually looking to see who it is. Kirk and Mitchell talk about some past experiences. It is obvious they have known each other well for many years. Mitchell mentions that he feels better now than he's ever felt in his life. And he's catching up on his reading, including Spinoza, which surprises Kirk. 
Mitchell finds Spinoza simple, almost childish to him. The two continue to reminisce about their days at Starfleet Academy, and Mitchell says that he aimed that little blonde lab technician at Jim. Kirk replies, you planned that? I almost married her. This scene is kind of like, I kind of started to like, I don't know, what's the word? I kind of like faded in and out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. During this scene, because I was like, I, I don't, it's like, okay, so they knew, they went to Academy together. Yeah. Got it, got it. And then they're like talking about this stuff, like like you were saying a couple weeks ago, the stuff that you hate is when they're like, hey, so remember, remember what we did on Beta Captive 5? <laughs> like, yeah, that was crazy. It's kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. talking about stuff. And it's like, and he's being kind of weird. Yes. And even Kirk is like, this is weird. And I'm like, yeah, this is weird. Yeah. This is weird. From what he says to him, from what I understand, like Kirk was teaching at the academy. Yeah. As a, as a lieutenant. And yeah, that, and he manipulated him. And he manipulated him by by introducing him to a lab technician, a female lab technician. And then that got Gary Mitchell here like out of trouble by being in Kirk's class. Yeah, so and that's the thing. I was like, why are they friends? And I don't understand. It's kind of weird. It's kind of like a weird like yeah. relationship that they have. And it was like obviously something like he wouldn't have told Kirk any of this stuff. Right, 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 right. Until now he's got like higher knowledge and he's like, Oh, and I'm doing the same thing to this crew crew member. Yeah. And Kirk's like, Oh, that's fun. <laughs> I really love when he goes to walk away and he goes, I told you, Kirk, you better yeah. be nice yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Echoes, yeah. like echoes through his brain. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it says right here Kirk informs Mitchell that he's assigned Dr. Denner to work with him. Mitchell doesn't seem happy since Mitchell and Denner have already gotten off to a tense start. As Kirk moves to leave, Mitchell, in an echoing voice, says, Didn't I say you'd better be good to me? Prompting Kirk to pause and eye him with uncertainty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. And then he's just like, well, that seemed weird for a second, but... Yeah, so, that's weird. That's so, <laughs> is that weird? <laughs> I'm sure that'll be fine. Yeah. Absolutely. Just some space sickness. <laughs> just normal <laughs> space. So In an area of space we've never been. I'm sure everything will be fine. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> 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 huh. Oh, people oh, get eyes boy. like that all the time, all the time. Yeah. Tinfoilitis. I was waiting for him to talk about Romulans. Oh, like we've never been in this part of space before. Yeah, that's like, like one uh, of the funny oh. things that I I always think about is like the the when you look at the galaxy that Star Trek presents. Yeah, there's not many avenues for them to go through without cutting through like another uh, enemy faction mm-hmm. area to like the edge of the galaxy. So it's always makes me laugh because it's like mm-hmm. they must have just 
gone some weird direction. <laughs> the thing I think is funny is that like they go through all of this, like, oh, this is Federation space right here. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, so we're on the edge of Federation space. We've explored all this other space. Like, all right, well, let's explore some more. And like, as soon as they go, it's like really bad. (laughs) It's like like immediately bad. Immediately terrible. We've explored all this space and it's been fine. And then they're like, hey, so we're on the border. Let's let's just go in a little bit. And they're like, (laughs) just a little bit. Just a little. It's terrible. <laughs> we no... know what happened to the Valiant. Oh, oh no. Bola, get out. Captain, I'm reading high radiation levels. Nine crew members are melting alive on decks. Yeah. <laughs> One, six. yeah. Steady the course. Steady. Steady the course. <laughs> Once Kirk leaves the room, Mitchell continues reading books on the viewer at a steadily increasing rate that soon far exceeds normal pace. The on-screen pages are nothing but a black-and-white blur. Kirk enters the bridge to find Spock monitoring Mitchell's viewer. Kirk assigns 24-hour security to keep an eye on Mitchell. Kirk approaches the science station viewer to look closely at Mitchell, and Mitchell looks directly at the security camera, (laughs) seemingly aware that Kirk is watching him. Yeah. It's just like that episode of the Ridley Scott episode. Yeah. But a little le- little less. Yeah. <laughs> a little less. A little less like that. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty funny. He's like laying in bed and Kirk is like looking at him and he's just like. <laughs> <sighs> I heard everything you said. <laughs> well, you're gonna try to kill me, huh? Yeah, well, I'm gonna try to kill you. Oh, yeah, well, I'm gonna stand up and make a big. Oh, my kidney! <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Denner enters sickbay and acknowledges the fact that she realizes that Mitchell doesn't like her very much. He apologizes to her for calling her a walking freezer unit. She asks him how he feels. Mitchell jokingly says that everyone thinks that he should have a fever or something and proceeds to change the vital signs monitor in sickbay with his mind. Then he makes the readings show that he is dead. All indicators fall to zero. To Dr. Denner's surprise and horror. Moments later, Mitchell awakens and starts telling Dr. Denner of some of his other abilities, like being able to read quickly going through half of the Enterprise database in less than a day. The thing that's in this and the remaster thing, they're all digital, but in the in the old days, it was literally like you had, like it was a piece of thing painted with all those like pulse oxygen things. Mm. And then it had like a light blinking. And then there was literally a guy off camera with like strings and markers, like pulling and doing this to like move the vitals, like on the screens. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Now it's all they just remastered it and make it make you it. You say they look pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. That's really funny. I thought of you though when that scene happens. And not yeah. in the sense of like um this is something you would do or something. It was just more of like 
I felt like this was right up your alley of com unintentional comedy, which uh-huh. was he's like, oh, or maybe I could do this, and he brings the indicators all to zero, and he goes. <clears throat> <laughs> I just thought of you just like when we talk about stuff like this, like like getting hurt or whatever, and just like that, like, oh I'm dead, you know. Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I was thinking about it. <laughs> oh man, that was the thing I thought was super funny was that he was very blatantly like, Hey, so like I can move these and she's like, Oh wow. Then he's like, Oh yeah, watch this, and he moves them all the way down and she's like, Oh my god, he's dead. <laughs> he's dead. He's dead. No, he has what he's like she's like trust the machine. It's like he just showed you that he can move this stuff in. Yeah. You can't trick it like that. No. <laughs> then it gets really, really cheesy here in the next scene. No, 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 no. <laughs> Dr. Denner decides to test his memory and shows Mitchell the title of a tape uh, of a record tape, asking him to recite what's on page 387. Mitchell recites, My love has wings, slender feathered things with grace and unswept curve and tapered tip. From the poem Nightingale Woman, written by Tarbold on the Canopus planet back in 1996. Mitchell wonders out loud why she happened to choose that particular poem, which is considered to be one of the most passionate poems written in recent centuries. He then pulls Denner close to him and asks her how she feels. Her reply, that she only fell and that nothing else happened, is seemingly disbelieved by Mitchell. But the conversation is cut short by the arrival of Lieutenant Kelso, awkwardly entering at a time which might have seemed like an intimate moment. Mitchell smiles and invites him in, joking that his eyes are merely lit up due to the lovely doctor. I don't know if I don't think the Nightingale woman is like a real thing. I think it's uh, they were written by Gene Roddenberry back when he was an aviator as a love poem from a pilot to his airplane. (laughs) Nice. That is funny. I thought it was somebody was in love with one of those bird bird people. And that's who he's writing a song. for. (laughs) That's what we'll go with. Okay, Kelso reports that the main engines are in bad shape. Mitchell warns Kelso to check the starboard impulse engine packs, which Kelso jokingly dismisses. Mitchell snaps, once again in his booming voice, that he isn't joking, and if they activate those engines, that the entire impulse deck will explode. Kelso leaves sickbay, and Mitchell tells Denner that he could see the image of the impulse packs in Kelso's mind, and that he is a fool not to have seen it. I'm Jerry, as you better know it. I think the writing of this is supposed to be, is he bad or is he good? Yeah. Like, what's happening with this guy? Yeah. Well, even later on, she's like, he's not evil. Like, while he's, like, strangling a guy with a cord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not terrible. Well, in the briefing room, Kelso shows Kirk the burned-out impulse circuit, which he had checked on Mitchell's recommendation, noting with puzzlement that their condition was exactly as Mitchell described. Dr. Denner enters late, says she got held up observing Mitchell, and attempts to defend him in the face of Spock's and Kirk's seemingly cold assessment of him. 
She reports her observations of Mitchell's ability to control certain autonomic reflexes and increased memory. Scott reports that bridge controls had started changing on their own about an hour prior, and Spock adds that each time it happened, Mitchell could be seen smiling on the surveillance monitors set up in sickbay. Kirk is annoyed that Denner hadn't reported Mitchell's new powers earlier, but she argues that no one has been hurt, furthermore saying that someone like Mitchell with such powers could give rise to a new and better kind of human being. Like an augment? (laughs) (laughs) You're under arrest. (laughs) Is anything on the ship we don't tolerate as an augment? (laughs) A better form of human. Impossible. (laughs) We're flawless. That don't you know that is disgusting and against the law. <laughs> I like how um, it's like it's very clear like he was just kind of like testing his abilities, right? And they're like they're immediate, like where they go immediately. They're like he's trying to take over the the Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, I he's trying to steal the Enterprise for himself. That is one of my biggest complaints of the episodes. I get that, like, he's doing weird things and he's a little creepy, but they ratchet so hard to, like, we gotta get rid of this guy. (laughs) He's trying to take the Enterprise for himself. I say we murder him. Yeah. There's no, like, hey, maybe we do some medical things to him. They're just like, nope. Nope. We saw what happened to the Valiant. Get him off the ship. We either kill him or we strand him forever <laughs> or until somebody picks him up and brings him back to earth and it's really bad then but those are our two options <laughs> very immediately like okay so here's the here's the situation <laughs> like, oh, it's... Okay. following an awkward silence Sulu adds that the growth of Mitchell's abilities is geometric progression meaning that they would increase at an exponential rate Spock concludes that Mitchell would become uncontrollably powerful within a month. Kirk tells those present not to discuss their findings openly before dismissing them. After the others have left the briefing room, Spock advises taking the Enterprise to the planet Delta Vega, only a few light days away, where they can adapt the lithium cracking station's power packs to try to repair its damaged systems and also strand Mitchell there. Kirk strongly disagrees with the plan, stating Delta Vega is uninhabited and automated, and ore ships only visit every 20 years. Spock informs Kirk the only other choice he has is to kill Mitchell before he overpowers the entire crew. Kirk tries appealing to Spock's conscience, saying Mitchell is his longtime friend, But Spock merely reminds him that the captain of the Valiant probably had a similar dilemma about his afflicted crew members, but made his decision to self-destruct too late. Kirk reluctantly orders the Enterprise course set for Delta Vega. So yeah, this is what I was talking about. It's like immediately, Uh it's like, okay, we're going to take him to this abandoned, uninhabited planet where ships only visit every 20 years, or we kill him. And it's like, what has he done? He's done some weird loud talking. He's read a lot of stuff in the library. 
and he's played with his medical stuff and he's made yeah. some switches go up and down. And he helped stop stuff from blowing up on the Enterprise, right? He got <laughs> mad at Kelso, but he told them to like what to do. Yeah. Immediately yeah. Like, Spock's like, kill him. Kill him. <laughs> Illogical murder. <laughs> yeah, yeah that I, is true, isn't it? And I yeah. think the funny thing is, is like as viewers of the 60s, you're supposed to be like, well, he has tinfoil eyes. Kill him. <laughs> like he's gonna kill you all, you know. But it's yeah. like it's like it's okay. It is true. It is true. It's very much like um you as the audience are not supposed to like him. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like he's like you said, it's funny it's funny to think that he actually like helped like save the enterprise. Like I didn't right. Because he honestly doesn't really get until we get here in the next little beats, he technically doesn't really get super like evil and maniacal until like right as they're about to like do abandon him, like strand yeah, him. Yeah, he gets yeah, like yeah. super violent. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's funny. He should okay. get too strong. He's getting too strong. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we've looked at it, and he should, if it follows the same patterns of geometrics, he should be getting powerful, more powerful and powerful than possible. And it's like, and look at the Valiant. He, they blew up. They blew themselves up. So it's like, clearly, these two things go together. He's going to kill us. It's like, uh, I guess. Yeah. Captain's log start at 1313.1. We're now approaching Delta Vega, course set for a standard orbit. This planet, completely uninhabited, is slightly smaller than Earth, desolate, but rich in crystal and minerals. Kelso's task? Transport down with a repair party, try to regenerate the main engines, save the ship. Our task? Transport down a man I've known for 15 years, and if we're successful, maroon him there. In sickbay, Mitchell's telekinetic power continues to grow. Feeling thirsty, he moves a plastic cup below a faucet and dispenses water from it with his mind. Kirk, Spock, and Dr. Denner enter to see Mitchell levitating a filled cup towards his outstretched hand. Mitchell senses worrying Kirk and Spock's continued urging for the captain to kill him while he still can. Mitchell quickly subdues both Kirk and Spock with an electric shock and informs them he knows the Enterprise is orbiting Delta Vega, but won't allow them to force him down there. As he postures about what kind of a world he can use, Kirk and Spock jump him and hold him down long enough for Dr. Denner to tranquilize him. I love this part. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm thirsty. He moves a cup over. He dispenses water. He brings it to him in the bed. He drinks it. And then Kirk's over and he's like, all right, you dirty son of a... Like, you could just see he's, like, mad about him floating the cup. He takes the yeah, cup he, out of his hand. He crushes... No, he... Kirk, like, oh, catches... Wait. He, like, catches the cup out of midair. And he's like... Yeah. Like, you better stop floating things on my ship. <laughs> like, right. so mad. Immediately, Fox like... We have to we have to kill him now, and then and then surprisingly, after being told you're going to kill him, he then yeah. electrocute like shocks them like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is the point where he turns into a Sith. He's Sith Lord. He's... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
Oh my god. This so is funny. probably as close to an episode of Star Trek gets to being like Star Wars. Like moving yeah. things with his mind. Like, yeah, electrocuting people. Yeah. <laughs> Just so funny to me. Just so funny. Yeah. So here's the other funny thing I want to talk about in the scene. Yeah. Is um how ridiculous is like Spock's like belt holster thing. Oh yeah. So over the top. It's it's so funny because like I always make fun of the fact that like you you always say like, oh well in Star Trek in the future you don't need pockets. You know, they have like magnet everything's magnetized to their pants and stuff. But it's like Spock comes in and it's like he has nowhere to put his gun, so he has to to wear this belt. Yeah. Like, well, obviously (laughs) then you do need like Pockets, something, yeah, yeah. holster, yeah. No, 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 no. Now we've moved past pockets. I get well, and it's like <laughs> up here. It's like yeah. up here, and like his phaser is like, oh my god, so funny. Man, that is ridiculous. Yep, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> In the transporter room, preparing to beam down, Mitchell regains consciousness and proclaims, "You fools." Uh, soon I'll squash you like insects before being sedated again. After transporting down, Mitchell is confined to a holding cell as Lieutenant Kelso and the engineering team begin to salvage the needed components from the outpost to restore the Enterprise engines to full capacity. Uh, the part I just liked in the scene, so they he wrestles with him again. And yeah. They push him, they tranquilize him, and then you see Kirk is like, he's holding him, and then he lets go, and he's like, and he gets on his pad, and then Mitchell just stands there, like, slumped. <laughs> like, he's just, mm-hmm. he's not, yeah. like, collapsing. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. they cut over, and it's, like, energized, and he cuts over. And he, like, pushes him. Yeah. Energized. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, a full, like, 45 seconds to a minute goes by, and then he transports. Oh, man, it just, I know it was, like, I get it, but it was just really, really funny. It's very funny, yeah. Well, you can't, yeah, you it's harder to comp out two people standing next to each other. They didn't have that technology. Because really what they did was oh. literally, they'd go up onto the transporter, they would like cut out these people, like on the oh. film. And then they would take, they would film a close-up of a glass and fill it with like water and something and like glitter and then like stir it and then film that and then use that plate that film like underneath what they cut out so it looks like they're transporting away. Oh my god. It's crazy. It's crazy. It looks good because this is remastered, but like originally that's just all it was. It was just like dual layered like film things. Wow. Yeah, it's nuts. That's really cool. So I understand like it's 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 harder to like you you know because you would have to cut Kirk but then you'd also want like just enough of Mitchell's overlaying so it didn't look like a giant like blob transporting. You'd want like the multi-layered like person there so you could see two different individuals, but that's hard to cut. Like, how do you cut that? <laughs> so yeah, I get why. Yeah. Man, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. I didn't cool. know that's how they did it. It's that's pretty that's pretty cool. Yeah. As Mitchell regains consciousness, he reminds Kirk of how he saved his life on the planet, Demoris, taking poisonous darts meant for the captain and nearly dying from it. He wonders why Kirk should fear him now. 
Kirk retorts that Mitchell has been testing his ability to take over the Enterprise and reminds him of the threat he made in the transporter room to squash the crew like insects. Mitchell defends himself by pointing out that he was drugged at the time, then snaps back that mankind cannot survive if a true race of espers like himself is born and attempts to escape the force field of the cell. Kirk pleads with him to stop, but Mitchell refuses and is jolted back, draining the light in the in his eyes. Gary pleads out, Jim. But it doesn't last, and the maniacal power that has now totally consumed Mitchell returns, and he sneers that he'll just keep getting stronger. <laughs> Oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, Jim, it hurts. That's all I thought of. I'm limited. I'll only get stronger. <laughs> yeah, where he's just like, oh, I'm so weak. I can't. I'm so oh. tired. Oh, and I can't. This one is killing me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <exactly. laughs> yeah. Um. Oh my god. Yeah, it is so, so it's so true. So it's like a thing where their point their point gets made that uh Mit- G- Gary Mitchell is becoming like evil. Right? Yeah. And, and Spock is like, we need to get him off the ship because he's going he's it's going to get to a point where you can't control him. But it's just so funny because when he gets him down there, he's like, hey, man, I'm your friend. Like I saved your life from a thing like what are we doing here and Kirk's like yeah I know but he's like but you've been doing weird things you've been flipping switches up on the bridge okay and I know you've been trying to take the Enterprise <laughs> right and then he says and what you're remarking the transporter room about squashing us like insects which that's a pretty that's a pretty big thing to say but then he's yeah, like well I was cool. drugged and then when he gets yeah, you, you showed me three times. <laughs> right, right. I'm like, that's a good point. And then he gets like it burns out the energy by the force field. And then he's like, and then that part where he's like, no, Jim, like he's sad. It's like they don't ever play into the fact, really, that like this should be awful for Kirk. Like this should really be like heartbreaking oh, yeah. for him to have to like essentially strand his friend yeah well i think he's still i think he's still pretty uh pretty pretty mad about the manipulation where he almost married that that girl (laughs) that's what it is he's he's like you son of a i always knew you was evil (laughs) (laughs) oh boy Back on board the Enterprise, the repairs are nearly complete as Scott beams down a phaser rifle down to Spock. Kirk resents <laughs> Spock's callousness uh, towards Gary, but Spock retorts that he's just being logical and he believes that the crew will be lucky just to repair the Enterprise and get away from Mitchell in time. Kirk, finally seeing Spock's viewpoint, instructs Kelso to wire a destruct switch to the power bins of the outpost, an explosion that will destroy the entire valley and hopefully kill Mitchell and orders him to hit the button if Mitchell escapes. So this is my favorite part of the episode. Okay. Where... The corner with the <laughs> yeah. I loved it so much. 
Scotty's like, hey, so uh, did did you get that uh, phase rifle I sent down? And Kirk's yeah. like, what are you talking about? We didn't ask for no phase rifle. Yeah. Spock goes around the corner. Mm. <laughs> well, if you need me, Captain, I'll be watching the prisoner. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, I loved it. Like his deadpan, like just like, yeah. yeah. Just Spock being like, oh, I need a bigger, I need a bigger weapon. This is, <laughs> he's, he's almost reached his God form. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the, yeah, the fact that once Kirk sees him, he's not like, Mr. Scott, you always talk to me no, when I'm doing yeah. things like, he's just like, yeah, well, we got it. We got it, Scotty. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yep. No, it, yeah, it showed up. <laughs> I love this. And when you think about it, like you have the cage and then this, they don't know, like there is no hard writing like this, like what are Vulcans? Mm-hmm. So that's the interesting thing is like you and I having having all this back knowledge of Vulcans, you're like, yeah, this is Spock is like this because of these reasons, but it's so funny to see like they they didn't have anything planned. He just was an emotionless, logical th- person, like alien, and that was it. Like there was no yeah. like none of that other stuff was like written. Because when you go from the cage to this, he just has pointy ears and like eyebrows. He's not really any different than any of his other crewmates. Yeah, it's not until this episode when he's like, "Oh, <laughs> that's right, human emotions." <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, Captain's Log, start date one three one three point three. Note recommendations on Lieutenant Kelso and the engineering staff. In orbit above us, the engines of the Enterprise are almost fully regenerated. Balance of the landing party is being transported. Back up. Mitchell, whatever he's become, keeps changing, growing stronger by the minute. As the landing party prepares to return to the Enterprise, Denner, completely transfixed on Mitchell, announces she's remaining on Delta Vega with him. At the same time, Mitchell uses his powers to remotely strangle Lieutenant Kelso with a cable. As Kirk orders Denner to return to the ship, Mitchell turns to the captain and taunts him that Kirk should have killed him while he still had the chance. With that, he shocks both Kirk and Spock and easily eliminates the force field holding him. Denner takes no action to stop him, and he slowly walks her over to a mirror, where she can now see the light in her own eyes. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. The other funny thing too, I forgot to talk about in the last the last part is that like like you said, like Kirk should be struggling with this decision. And like right. he's kind of mad at Spock every time Spock's like, Yeah, just just shoot him. Yeah. He's like, No, I don't we're not gonna just sh- shoot him. And then and then and then he's like, Hey, so if he gets out, just hit that switch and blow the whole facility up. Like just blow it up. Yeah. <laughs> Like, Don't just kill Mitchell. Blow everything. Kill up. everything in. <laughs> this whole mining compound. This whole mining. Yeah, just blow it up. Just eradicate it. <laughs> like what? But don't you want to just shoot Mitchell? No. No, I want to blow up every resource 
on this planet and Mitchell. <laughs> like, oh, okay. And maybe yourself, Kelso, because somebody has to be there. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're you're the button person. So. <laughs> right, exactly. A short time later, Dr. Piper revives Captain Kirk and informs him that Kelso is dead and that Mitchell and Dr. Denner have left the facility. Kirk advises Piper not to revive Spock until after he's left, as Kirk now blames himself for not listening to the Vulcan's warning. Taking Spock's phaser rifle, Kirk orders that Piper and Spock return to the Enterprise and to give him 12 hours to signal the ship. Failing that, Kirk recommends that the Enterprise proceed at maximum warp to the nearest starbase with his recommendation that the entire planet be subjected to a lethal concentration of neutron radiation. When Piper protests, Kirk firmly tells the doctor it is an order and leaves. The thing I thought was really funny, and I forgot this happened in this episode, is I'm so yeah. used to like the normal Star Trek stuff where they just come up and they hypo-spray him and stuff goes in and blah, blah, blah. He runs over and he's like, put pills in his mouth. <laughs> like, put Tic Tacs in his mouth or something. Like, it was really funny. Yeah. Yeah, I, I caught I, I caught up on that. I was like, wow. It was very weird to see, like, them giving pills and he's like, pills. oh yeah, don't don't give Spock any pills. Like, don't put them in his mouth. And because we've been talking about Dragon Ball, it, like my first thought was like, oh, so the doctor just has like sensu beans. That's that's good. That's good <laughs> to know. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Absolutely. That was it just made me laugh because it's just like we don't really ever see that again. And he's like he's like there you go. He's just don't give him anything. Mm, health and winter mint. Nice. <laughs> In an open valley, Mitchell, now sporting grain sideburns due to premature aging as a consequence of the stress from his advanced powers, conjures up Kefarian apples and water for himself and Denner. He begins to sense Kirk approaching them, as does Denner. Mitchell invites Denner to talk to the captain and begin to realize just how unimportant humans are compared to what they, Mitchell and Denner, have become. Denner appears before Kirk and advises the captain to retreat while he still can. Kirk appeals to what's left of Denner's humanity and her profession as a psychiatrist and asks her what she believes will become of Mitchell if his power is allowed to continue to grow. Denner begins to see the wisdom of Kirk's words, but before she could decide anything, Mitchell appears before both of them. Kirk opens fire with the phaser rifle, but it has no effect on Mitchell, who easily casts the weapon aside. Away with you. Oh, you just stand there like Superman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can withstand the full blast. <laughs> Nothing hurts me. And then he goes like this. Away. <laughs> yeah. Don't you understand, Kirk? I am a god. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of like that uh, scene in uh, Strange New Worlds that you talked about, where yeah. Pike is holding the phaser and the 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 Illyrian like energy people are coming into the room, and he's like, "Here we go!" Oh, my phaser! It's just like <laughs> it gets like pulled out of his hands. Yeah. Maybe. Well, at least he didn't throw it. That's true. Throw it away immediately. I did like that little thing that you said. Like <laughs> he just takes it, like takes it right in the gut. Doesn't hurt him. He does. He loves it. It's just like, 
and he's just like, hmm, yes. <laughs> You're only making me strong. <laughs> Delicious. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Is that a phaser okay. rifle you're using? And he like shoots it back. <laughs> That's what he should have done. Yeah. Out of his finger. <laughs> Taunting Kirk, Mitchell creates a grave for his old friend, saying he deserves a decent burial at the very least. Completely convinced of his power and his superiority, with absolute power corrupting absolutely, Mitchell uses his powers to force Kirk to pray to him as a god <laughs> and for an easy death. <laughs> <laughs> yes he did yeah this is a great the scene oh my god it's so funny yeah so this is when like Shatner is like over the top but like it's not him it's it's the writing because when he's like no I'll never break you I'll never break you <laughs> it's like oh my god man this is good <laughs> yeah. like Forced worship, it's that's that's good. Never thought you'd see that in Star Trek. Forced worship. Oh man. <laughs> I didn't even know it was something you were waiting for. No, I didn't know I needed it. See, this this is your grave. <laughs> it's funny. It, so this is the funny thing too, is like he has like telepathy powers, right? Yeah. It's like he's really smart, but he's just like making things appear yeah. very like easily it's yeah. like that doesn't that doesn't <laughs> seem right evidently he can do anything now <laughs> just a few hours he was you know he's able to yeah. withstand phaser rifle blasts he can create like fruit and like oasises and a like a <laughs> desert planet it's like oh okay well that's why Spock wanted to kill him it's true Spock knew this was exactly what was going to happen. He's going to become more powerful than you can possibly realize. <laughs> Denner, now realizing that Mitchell is inhuman and becoming more and more dangerous, helps Kirk by blasting Mitchell with some of her power, stunning him. Mitchell turns away from Kirk and counters Denner's attack. However, the battle drains both of them and they both collapse. Denner's attack being sufficiently powerful enough to weaken Mitchell, who temporarily loses his powers. As Denner implores Kirk to hurry, the captain begins to attack his former friend, pummeling him to the ground. With a heavy rock raised high and preparing for the death blow, Kirk begs Carrie to forgive him for what he must do. However, the captain's hesitation is enough for Mitchell to regain his powers and easily tosses Kirk away. With Kirk no longer able to cope with Mitchell's physical strength, he dives at him, sending both into the open grave. Kirk, scrambling to the discarded phaser rifle, is able to blast the rock face above Mitchell, sending him into the grave and entombing him, therefore ending Mitchell's threat forever. Yeah. I think Mitchell forgot that he has lightning abilities now. Uh, or anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, just literally anything. Because <laughs> it was like, okay, I'm fine with it. She weakens him. He punches him. He gets him in the thing. He's going to crush him with the rock. 
He gets it back. He it's it's literally when he tackles him into the grave. You're like, mm-hmm. why does that work? If he's shooting him with a phaser rifle and it does nothing, wouldn't he just bounce off of him? Like, wouldn't Kirk like tackle him and he'd be like, oh, and like no, dislocate his shoulder or something? That's ridiculous. And the thing I thought was funny too, and it's just the way they filmed it. It could have been done really well. Kirk gets out, he shoots the rock face, and then it shows like Mitchell, like, <laughs> like try to get out of the out of the grave, and then he's like, oh, yeah. no, like no, no, I can't. I'll just no, I'll I'll get crushed yeah. by the rocks. <laughs> like, don't use your mind to make the rock yeah. disappear or float it or I don't know whatever. Like, Levitate anything. it like the cup yeah. and right. You know, yeah. Can't do it. Nope. Might as well give up. Yeah, it was pretty funny. And yeah, Kirk I, gets his shirt ripped. He certainly does. Here it is. Kirk, with his uniform torn and beaten and battered, walks oh. over to dinner and kneels beside her. She apologizes to the captain for her actions, but offers that Kirk had no idea what it was like to almost be a god before finally dying herself. Silently mourning Denner's sacrifice, Kirk opens his communicator and hails the Enterprise. The whole thing, like, her dying is just so ridiculous at the end. You don't know what it's like to be. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, because, like, they had, like, a psych, like, a psych off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, uh, that's what she that's what she like that's like what she died from it's like that that's why I feel like you and I could right now if we just got Star Trek uniforms could just film like anything and it would be like this is amazing yeah that fits yeah. <laughs> just like literally just you and I going like oh and you're like ah you got to have a little bit of effects in there, but not. Yeah, you got to turn purple. You got to turn, yeah. like, your whole body's got to turn purple. And be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other um, funny thing, too, is, like, that she's a psychiatrist. So, yeah. like, that's, like, her. Kirk's like, use your, use your psychiatry powers. Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, he is kind of bad, isn't he? He's kind of terrible, yeah. Corrupt. But I, I actually, um, the the summary that you read didn't didn't cover it. But there's that part where yeah. they had this like debate, like the psychologist had this debate with with Spock, and he's like very like you know rational about like these are the facts, and she's like, well, that's not what you know. Oh yes, I kind of remember. Yes, 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 yes. I can't remember like word for word, but I remember being like, oh, that's kind of an interesting like debate. Yeah. So before I conclude, here's the thing that I I wanted to say. Yeah. Because uh, I'm only, I would only talk about it in this episode. So okay. in 2013, I think, 2012, whenever Star Trek Into Darkness came out, the second Chris Pine movie. Yeah. They had casted um, Benedict Cumberbatch in the in. I knew we knew he was casted. We just didn't know who he mm. was playing. Yeah, and it was a thing where he was a big threat to the Enterprise and Kirk and blah blah blah. 
And I, I don't know if I was the only person, but I, I thought Benedict Cumberbatch was going to be Gary Mitchell. Oh, and then I went and saw Into Darkness, and he ends up not being Gary Mitchell. And I, yeah. Into Darkness is is probably the only Chris Pine movie I actually don't really like. Interesting. And there's reasons for it, which you'll understand when we eventually get there. Yeah. Um, but I just thought that this movie, Star Trek Into Darkness, should have been this. To literally make uh, Benedict Cumberbatch his best friend. They're exploring cool. the same concept that they say in Into Darkness is the reason for what happens, which I'm I'm not trying not to spoil a thing. There's a reason why Benedict Cumberbatch is in the movie. He's in the movie at the point that he's in. Mm-hmm. And to me, it would it, you could have used the same type of thinking. That they're exploring because of the the Romulan thing that happens in 2009, they're exploring the galaxy even more aggressively. Like Starfleet is really trying to explore things to not be caught yeah. off guard and lose so many ships like they did. So because of that, they're now exploring like the galactic barrier, like the edge of the galaxy. Yeah. And Chris Pine's best friend, Benedict Cumberbatch, Gary Mitchell, is on the ship. He's and he's had because of his his uh, quick appointment as captain from the first movie. He makes sure that his best friend gets placed on the ship, like he they talk about in this episode. Yeah. They go to the galactic barrier. You now have Alice Eve, who's in the character who plays a different character in the movie. She's a blonde-haired uh, scientist lady. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like Kirk's love interest in the movie. Have her just be this the psychiatrist here elizabeth denner and then have this stuff all play out and now you can actually properly have like a really meaty kind of exploration of like what it would it what would it really be like to watch your best friend gain all of these super crazy powers and then slowly become like a maniacal evil person and like what do you do and having this big thing and then have a big a better fight scene between Kirk and Mitchell at the end of the movie. And it, it's still called Star Trek in the Darkness because it's like you know, you're having to like face issues that are terrible. The fact yeah. that you may have to kill your best friend because he's becoming evil. Mm. It just it just is one of those things that it just I really I really hoped it was him because that would have been really cool to call back to this. Yeah. But then when it ended up being the other thing, I was like, no, this is so much worse. Like what they ended up giving us was was actually worse than what it could have been. So hmm. it's rough. And we'll yeah. we'll, get into it. we'll get into it in a in a few weeks, but still. And we've we've talked about that before, dude. Like you've told me why like yeah, Rathicon yeah. is like so bad from that perspective. But it's funny because like me not being like super, you know, like just kind of a casual fan at the at the time. Like I really liked Into Darkness, but right, I, right. I like Benedict Cumberbatch, and I don't really know the con story. <laughs> God, yeah. So I liked the movie, and it's probably sure. one of my more favorite Chris Pine movies. Yeah, no, it's, it's fine. Yeah, so it's just funny. It's just funny to hear that it's like your least. 
So maybe, maybe eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe eventually I'll, I'll come around, but. Yeah, just be interested to see what you think about it after you have, like, actual backstory. Yeah. Yeah, so I just had, to, I wanted to say that because I, I have no reason to ever talk about it outside of watching the, that movie or watching this episode. So Yeah. It sounds like a cool concept, though. I mean, that. that... Why after watching this episode, like yeah, that would have been a cool movie. Yeah, no, just to me, it plays to itself. But yeah, it's okay. But they did. They didn't. They went a completely different way because Paramount and CBS have to rake in the money because you have to have nostalgia. Yeah. Okay. Captain's log start date one three one three point eight. Add to the official losses, Dr. Elizabeth Denner. Be it noted, she gave her life in performance of her duty. Lieutenant Commander Gary Mitchell, same notation. Back on the Enterprise, Kirk, sitting in his chair with a bandaged hand, laments to Spock that he wants Mitchell's service record to end with dignity as he didn't ask for what happened to him. Spock admits he felt for Mitchell as well. With a smirk, Kirk remarks that maybe there's hope for Spock after all, as the Enterprise continues to journey where no man has gone before. (laughs) Again, it was very funny that like that's supposed to be like his best friend. He's like, "Oh, Doctor Denner, she like died like full honors, yeah, full rank." Oh, and him, yeah, same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah he did. Yeah, I just wrote the same thing for him. Also expunges records so no one can know how horrible he was. <laughs> I want you to lie about it. Yeah. Yeah, they clearly hadn't had their like full swing of like writing. Like the writing team like didn't understand the characters well and didn't have everything like super they were just like, okay, how do we explain space and make it was more about like the ship and mm-hmm. you had to get all past all that stuff. So yeah. The chemistry oh, yeah. isn't there between between the crewmates and like the actors. It That's takes a, a bit. Yeah. It takes a bit. I mean it took um <laughs> Strange New World, it took almost a full season. Yeah. For like the cast to kind of like gel, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're at everybody's favorite part of the show. Not mine. Caleb. 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 I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) So, now that we're in a new series, we're adding a new trophy. Oh, no. So this is going to be the first question, and this will be an ongoing new trophy going forward. Who gets... Go ahead. The Denner Award, the worst psychiatrist. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Who gets the Erica Ortegas Award for being (laughs) the most unlikable... Uh, it's good, but it's also hard because this episode doesn't really have anybody. I guess I'll go with Gary Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's unlikable. The way he holds his head up. 
Never liked him. <laughs> Never liked him from the minute I saw him. No. Okay, so who gets the Elizabeth Cutler Award for being most forgettable? The I don't I didn't know if she was supposed to be kind of like the number number one character. Oh, the yeoman in the beginning? Yeah. I don't know what she was supposed to be. What either. is she? She like shows up. Kirk has that moment where he's like, uh you're standing in the way. And then like, <laughs> and then she like holds the the you know, she holds his hand. Yeah. And then that, that was it. Yeah. Like, I think um I think like in the cage episode of Pike where he brings her he she brings him like the the pad to look at. I think that's mm-hmm. what she's supposed to be is like basically like his gopher, like go get this, bring this to me, do this type of thing. And they tried yeah. to do the same kind of joke where he's like, how dare there be a woman on my bridge type of thing. Uh-huh. But instead of really, going, yeah. going down that path, he just gets her name wrong. He's like, oh, yeah, what's uh, this thing? And she's like, that's not my name. It's this. And he's like, oh, okay. And then she's oh, okay, like, cool. Hey. You can stand over here. <laughs> right, exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Well, the one thing I will say, too, is that, like, um, I feel like everybody talks about like because like this is so old, it's very like um, like men are superior. Yes, but like I really it didn't really come across like over the top to me. Not in, in this episode. episode. The cage definitely when he's like yeah, <laughs> very very upset that she's always there, and it's like yeah. she's doing her job, dude. Yeah. This one's that not was this is not as yeah. bad. This episode is bad. Okay, so there are there are ones that are oh, there are totally episodes <laughs> where they end up saying things and you're just like, okay, I can't wait. Is the the walking refrigerator that was <laughs> yeah, that was probably the worst part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy, I can't wait. <laughs> I don't know if I'm showing you all the like terrible ones. I'm trying to just. Get you like I'm trying to get like snapshots for you so you can kind of understand because you can just you can just assume that any of the episodes I don't show you they're Are pretty much really all bad. Like yeah. This they're just this different. That's all they are. <laughs> okay, who gets the Trip Tucker Award as being the MVP of the episode? I'll give it to Kirk. All right, that's a new one. Yeah. Different, Kirk. <laughs> yeah, his brother's a real piece of work. It's just nice to see a, yeah, nice to see a Kirk actually doing doing, doing his something. job. <laughs> oh, those Kirk boys! One of them's mm-hmm. great, the other garbage. The other one's a captain. The other one's always combing his be his mustache. His mustache. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Okay. What gets the Shran Award as being the best action sequence? <laughs> it's gotta be it's gotta be the end and battle with Kirk and Is it them punching or is it the thing you talked about where he stands and just takes the phaser rifle? Oh uh, yeah, I do like that. I like that when he like takes the blast. <laughs> okay, yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> What gets the NX award as being having some sweet ship stuff? The only the one thing that like really stood out to me is it the intro? It might have been the intro. Okay. 
where like the names are coming up and the Enterprise is just going like, <laughs> yes, that's the intro. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's pretty good. I really enjoyed that. It's like it's warping. So you can tell it's like on a string and they're just like, and it's just like, <laughs> and it flies past the camera. Loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah, I like that. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, there's no more of that. Like, dun, 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 dun. Dun, yeah. dun, 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 like heroic music and the ship's like flying right it's just like <laughs> yeah it's like we only have five years <laughs> <laughs> we gotta explore we gotta yeah. explore all right i know this one's gonna be hard mm-hmm. but what gets the porthos award as being the most cheesy oh man <laughs> they're like telepathy battle between the two of them, like that was, I thought that was pretty, pretty cheesy. It is funny though, because like it, for me, if it's like super cheesy, I, I tend to just be like, oh, brother, and then like forget about it. Yeah, true. Like it's so cheesy, I don't, I have nothing to add to it. You just blank it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, we can go with that. That, that, empathy battle at the end there, that was pretty over the top. And then her dying uh, right after it's got, yeah, it's got to be, it's got to be that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. And finally, what gets the Enterprise Ward as being the best scene of the episode? Spock coming in with the rifle. Okay. It's like my favorite scene. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that's my favorite part of the episode. I like the one scene too where they come in and mm-hmm. like, yeah, what's the situation? He's just like when he's like touching the wall <laughs> he's like yeah he's really observing weaknesses. yeah really observing his cell you know <laughs> finding the weaknesses so that was what Caleb thought of the episode so go down to the comment section below and you tell us what you thought of the episode did you like Gary Mitchell did you think it was silly did you think it was cool Did you also get Star Wars vibes from all the electricity fingers? (laughs) Palpatine hands. Yeah, Palpatine hands, yeah. (laughs) So next week, we are going to cover episode one of the original series. Man Cage. The Man Trap, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I hope Kirk kisses some alien ladies <laughs> that's, what I, that's what i'm here for yeah it's uh it's episode it's the first so what you'll appreciate about this this is the first thing that people saw okay cool. this is this is the premiere episode that everybody saw but it is number five in the production well, in be- so in between what we watched and this, there are three other episodes that we're not going to watch. Hmm. So, but this, that, is the, um... this is no, just there's just no, there's <laughs> no point to them. I mean, they're not like they're just as goofy as this. Yeah. But going, I, tr- I I gave you these two because one. Let's see the first thing that was ever filmed, and then secondly, yeah. let's see the the thing that was ever aired, first thing ever aired. 
So that'll be next week's episode, The Man Trap. Tune in for that. So if you liked what you liked, like the video. If you disliked what you saw, dislike the video. Share it with your friends. Subscribe to make sure you catch our videos, our reviews. And ring that bell for notifications so you can uh, never miss an episode. And as always, you can head on over to Caleb's channel. Yeah. Yeah, I got some cool stuff. Uh, working on some cool stuff, as always. Yeah. And um, our latest episode of Dragon Ball Rewatch came out recently. Yep. We just started watching the tournament saga. So. Yeah. And it was pretty fun. It was fun. Yeah. It's good fun. stuff. It's going to get even better when we go to cover the next little stretch. So, yeah. Yep. Yep, you should definitely be watching. If you didn't, if you didn't watch the first, you should definitely watch the tournament saga. That's my recommendation. That's true. And they're so quick that you can just watch them pretty, pretty yeah. quick. I mean, they're only like what twenty minutes. Yep. So, yeah, I think they're like twenty-one minutes if you don't count like opening credits and end credits. Yeah. Yeah, super easy to watch. They're it's pretty fast paced. They don't really stay on scenes like super long. They don't like linger. Mm-hmm. So moves along pretty quick. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so I mean, you, that. And there's some other cool stuff on there. I've made some uh Star Trek craps. So yeah, you've got some COS stuff out. on there. So yeah. I even got free patterns and stuff for for everybody. Yeah, and I think here probably this will go up, and a couple days from this should be session fifteen of our Star Trek Adventures RPG. So, oh yeah, look forward to that. And a couple days after this is posted, but until then, stick around for next week's episode, The Man Trap, where we'll dig even deeper and get Caleb more absorbed into the William Shatner series. And watch his brain slowly melt. Yeah. He goes from a series he two series he's really enjoyed to a series he's gonna be okay with. <laughs> Does the man trap have any um which I'm picturing like a like a big rock with like a stick holding it up and then there's like a stake. And like, like a, a Looney Tunes like Yeah. There's like a nice steak and there's like a cold beer. <laughs> and that's what it is called the man trap. <laughs> yeah, that's a red shirt like reaching for it to get it. It's like the Yeah. Yeah. That should be your thumbnail. <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't that at all. Okay. Uh, well, all right. Well, I don't look forward to it then. <laughs> all right. That's it. So, computer, end program. See you guys. The Retrek Review is a Daystrom Holodeck podcast produced in association with the Plastic Underground Props. Hosted by Caleb Stoddard and Will Wilbur. Edited by Will Wilbur. Our intro song is by Kaylee Joy Rookledge. Our theme song is by Samo Studios. And our outro song is by Tommy T. Title card art created by Caleb Stoddard. Trophy art created by Adri Wilbur of Love by the Letters. 
synopsis, and written plot provided by memory-alpha.fandom.com. Star Trek is created by Gene Roddenberry and all official clips and pictures are owned by Paramount Pictures. You can follow us at The Plastic Underground Props and The Daystrom Holodeck on Instagram and on YouTube. Thanks for watching.